0: A mother, a son, and a life with autism. It's the At Home With Autism podcast with Q102's Jen and Jacob. So I don't know if you know this about me, but (laughs) two years ago, I had one of my absolute favorite life moments. When I stood on the stage at Memorial Hall and I did a TEDx talk, Cincinnati Women, TEDx Cincinnati, and um, ugh, nothing makes me feel more alive than being on a stage. And of all the stages that I've been on in my life, and I've been on quite a few, this was by far the most meaningful experience on a stage that I had ever had, because I talked about a very scary experience i had with jacob one of those moments where everything just felt so hard that for a very short time i had a very strong urge to just quit and when i say quit i mean quit i mean leave this earth school and uh go on to whatever is next and i was nervous about having people here this story. I was afraid of being judged. Uh, I was afraid that how hard I had worked for so many years to feel like I I had some control or some degree of management, self-management over this whole life with autism thing to... Allow myself to be vulnerable and actually put it out there that, you know, I I do have moments where I'm very much so like, fuck it, this is too hard. Um, and of course, you know, if that happened, if there were people out there judging me for it, they didn't say anything to me about it. <laughs> I got a really good positive response and I look forward to maybe someday being able to do more speaking like that. And the reason I bring that up is I've been thinking for the past couple of days trying to decide what I wanted to talk about in this podcast. And I had ideas like I always do, but none of them were lighting my fire. And then I was in my bathroom, and in the corner of my closet, sat until just about 10 minutes ago, this very cool coach briefcase. (laughs) And not really a briefcase, it's a bag. But like, it's a man's, you know, business tote, or whatever the hell they're called. But it's beautiful that I bought specifically for one reason to house the book I wrote eight years ago. Eight years ago when Jacob was 12, I wrote a book about my life with him and other details about my life outside of being a mom that, of course, shaped a lot of the decisions that I made as a mom um, and as a wife and as a radio personality because everything affects everything. So all of those other things going on in my world definitely affected the way that I Mother Jacob. And what I thought I might do, because that book has been sitting there in that briefcase, and it is dusty. Very, 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 very dusty. <laughs> and I thought I would dust it off and read some of it. And when I opened the bag, before I even saw the manuscript, I found a three ring binder. And so I thought I would start with this. This was a speech I gave about six months Before the TEDx talk. And this was the speech where I stood in a room of about 300 people. And I stood on that stage. And again, I I can't even count how many times I've spoken in front of large groups. But this was the speech that made me realize I was ready to try a TED talk. So I'd like to share it with you now. (laughs) Uh, This was about, so if I gave my TED talk two years ago. Okay, so this was two and a half years ago. This is where I was two and a half years ago. About six weeks ago, I began to purge my home of 16 years plus of accumulated stuff. I found things from college and even my high school cheerleading uniform. I graduated in 87 from Cuba High School. You do the math. It's a lot of years worth of stuff. I hadn't thrown away very much. To be more precise, I kept everything. I found Jacob's old clothes in sizes from newborn to men's large, musical books, Baby Einstein VHS tapes, 400 yards of Thomas the Tank engine track, 2,378 megablocks, and some old teething rings. Jacob is 17. There was stuff in every room, stacks of papers, totes full of clutter, and stacks of totes hidden under throw blankets so they would look like furniture that was supposed to be there. There were things in boxes that hadn't been opened from the move to Cincinnati from Tampa in 2002. This was something that had needed to happen for a really, really, really long time. The plan was to touch every single item in every single cabinet and drawer, closet, suitcase, bag, tote, and envelope in the house, and then decide what out of the mess would stay and what would go. The goal was to get rid of as much stuff as humanly possible, to only keep the things that I truly loved and needed. So much of it all has been in Jacob's world his whole life. Stuff he saw every day. Things he knew and some things he treasured at some point. I wasn't sure just how he was going to do with letting things go. The chaos the house would be in. Mom being really busy with it all. New people coming into the house. Our dog Murley barking constantly. It was a lot. It was a lot for me, so I had guessed it would be a lot for him too. One of the big things I had working for me was that Jacob was excited for the reason why we were doing this. He and I are moving to an organic farm community in South Lebanon. And that's so amazing in itself, considering he had made it very clear over the years that we would not be moving anywhere, ever. Thankfully, Jacob loved this entire process. His first big responsibility was his markers. In 16 years of marker shopping, Jacob had accumulated thousands. Some I threw away when he wasn't home, but a lot of them I saved for him to go through. We pulled out an old pad of paper, and he took each marker, made a line on the old paper, and then decided if each marker was a keep it or garbage. He thought this was the most hysterical game ever, grinning ear to ear as he loudly pronounced each marker as keep it or garbage. And then there was such joy as he dramatically placed each garbage marker in the garbage bag. Things got a little more complicated when we moved on to some of his toys and games because we added a third category, sell it. He especially liked it when he'd say, sell it, and I'd be like, no! it got so upsetting to me a couple times that i had to leave the room there were just so many things that i had an attachment to that he couldn't have cared less about at least it seemed i was floored just watching his willingness to let go brought back memories so clear with feelings so deep that at times i felt like the wind was knocked right out of me memories of the days when i would have never even dreamed all that was happening with this purge would be possible like the days when he had to have all 42 lights in the house on before he'd come downstairs in the morning, and how he would melt down if I drove down the wrong parking aisle at Target, or how he screamed inconsolably when I moved the bed in my bedroom six inches so I could fit a side table between the bed and the wall. And now he's like, sell it, keep it, garbage. I cried more than once, sometimes because the pain I felt then, but had buried, came bubbling up to the surface and it had to come out. Sometimes because of the incredible appreciation for how far we both have come. And sometimes just because I was so overwhelmed by the fierce love I have for him and all of who he is. It was pride. And then I cried because I knew how hard he had worked to get to where he is and how hard I had to work and how I had to change to help him get here. When Jacob was about to turn six, it became clear to me that if things were going to change and get better, I would have to take charge. It was time I started listening to me. It was time I started to put trust in me and what I knew and understood about Jacob. Philosophically, I got that. Who knows a child best? Their mother, right? But in practical, everyday usage, I was still doing most of what the doctors and therapists were telling me to do, even if something inside of me was saying, nope, that ain't it. And I decided not anymore. I decided that I was going to run the show. The one thing that I wanted most at the time was to understand Jacob. I wanted to know why he did all of the things that he did. I wanted to know what he was trying to communicate when the words just weren't coming out all that clearly. I wanted to know what was so funny that he would laugh so hard that he could barely catch his breath. I wanted to understand why he wouldn't look at me. And why he never seemed to really want to be with me or anybody. I just knew that understanding him was key. Because, hey, I think we can all agree that it feels amazing to feel loved, but it's profound to feel understood. That's something that as humans we all crave so very much, to have someone get us, to always understand why we do what we do and why we say what we say, and then to love us anyway. We're lucky to have one or two or three people in our lives who were able to do that. Jacob didn't have any. Jacob had a lot of people who loved him, but nobody got him. And I knew if I could crack that code and figure some of those things out, I would be able to find a way to connect. Because in the end, that's what I really craved more than anything, other than his happiness and well-being, to feel a connection. I wanted it so badly, and I went looking for it. Book after book after book after book, and class after class after class after class. Only some of it autism-focused. A lot of it was personal growth, spirituality, psychology, metaphysics, quantum physics, so much memoir, philosophy. Every one book I would read would reference three other books, so then I'd have to read those two. I mean, for months, all I did in my spare time was read. And what I discovered was... It wasn't so much about what I needed to do for things to change. It was about who I needed to be. And if I could learn and experience how to be with Jacob, the what to do, the actions to take to help him, would be obvious and effortless. In our world, we hear these kinds of statements all the time. Oh, I have learned so much patience and tolerance. I now know what unconditional love really is. I am a warrior. I will fight for my child. God only gives special kids to special people. And God doesn't give us more than we can handle. And so on and so on and so on. You've heard them. And I believe all of that is absolutely 100% true. And there's so much more. So much more that I don't think I've even scratched the surface and I have been a hardcore balls-to-the-wall student at the University of Jacob for 12 years. The first five years of his life was boot camp. Once I had my footing, it was game on. I started to pay close attention. Attention to what I was thinking and believing and feeling and sensing all the time. I learned to be present with him, 100% there with him in each and every moment. And when I slowed down enough to take a look at what I did as Jacob's mom, yes, I did more patience. Yes, I modeled the behavior that I felt reflected unconditional love. Yes, I did more tolerance. But was I truly being patient and tolerant? And was I truly loving him completely and totally under any condition? I mean, that's what unconditionally means. Under any condition. Could I honestly say that I was doing that? No. I couldn't. Not all the time. Every year for about seven years during Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Toyota would give me a car to drive around. It was usually white with big pink ribbons on it and a Q102 logo, and we would invite people to write their names of their loved ones who had been affected by breast cancer on pink ribbon magnets, and we'd put them on the car. And then I would drive the car all over the place, and it was kind of fun. First year, I had a Prius. Second and third years, it was a Highlander. And Jacob was fine with all of those cars. Then on the fourth year, it was an Avalon. Beautiful car. Jacob had issues with it. I'm not sure if it was because the car came on an earlier date than usual or the fact that it was a car instead of an SUV or if it smelled funny to him or maybe he just liked our car better, whatever it was. He couldn't voice it. All he could do was yell and scream his displeasure with the white car. His screaming and yelling continued constantly when we'd be driving and frequently when we weren't. I couldn't talk him down from it and he was relentless. Over a week of living like this with no relief in sight, We were driving home from horseback riding lessons, and he was on a roll. I was tired and worn down, and I lost it. I'm in the front seat screaming that it was a nice white car. There's nothing wrong with this car. We will drive this effing white car for the next month, and that's all there is to it. I cranked the radio. I rolled down the windows. Of course, that only made him scream louder. I felt helpless and hopeless and so tired of everything all of it how something that should be so simple was so hard that nothing I did or said was making it any better and probably never would I imagined that this would be my life every day until my dying day there would never be any kind of relief from this ever and in that moment I saw a bridge For just a flash of time, I had the thought that I could easily just drive off of it, and I'd shut the both of us up quickly and permanently. I thought that ending all of both of our suffering would be so much easier than continuing on day after day like this. It was a fleeting thought, but it appealed to me. Unconditional love? There wasn't love there. Not in that moment. There was a hatred for my life in that moment. There was despair because I couldn't fix it or make it stop. Hopelessness, fear, powerlessness. And honestly, I didn't really like him all that much. Not in that moment. I was angry and frustrated with him. There was no patience, no tolerance, no acceptance, and no understanding. So when you find yourself in a situation like that, feeling all that, How do you stop wanting to drive off of a bridge and start practicing unconditional love? Which is what we all really do want to feel when things get tough, right? Don't we? Really? To be in a situation no matter what it is and to be okay? Feel okay? Know everything will be okay? Years later, I still think that's a really good question with a lot of answers. Many of which I've realized and even more I seek to find. The profound understanding of unconditional love that I think we all crave, even if we don't know we crave it, requires a lot of answers to a lot of questions. Because none of it is simple, and none of it can be dismissed with a cliché. At least not in the beginning. Clichés are shortcuts to deep truths. And until you've lived, really lived, the deeper truths of the clichés, the clichés won't hold for you the profound understanding that they represent. After the incident in the white car, love is the answer took on a much bigger meaning to me than it ever had before. Love is what kept me from driving off that bridge. My love for life. My love for my son. My love for the life I have with him. The love for my parents and family and friends. My love for the autism community. My love for my home and my neighbors and anyone and everyone who might be affected by us leaving them. My love for myself. The love that says to me that I'm doing the best that I can. That I will do better tomorrow. It will be better tomorrow. I will be stronger tomorrow. And if I'm not, I'll work harder to be stronger the day after that. Strength will come. Because this too shall pass. It always does. And when it passes, the love will come easier. And it will be beautiful This is the real work that we do every day in this family of community that's in this room right now. This is something those of us who live in our world get. And we get it because we live every day trying to figure it out. Where we can get caught up is in the trying to figure out what to do to make their life easier and better, happier and more fulfilling. When the question really is, who do I need to be so that I can practice true unconditional love in the face of all obstacles, so I can model what I want to teach them, so that they can do it too. Be present, understand, connect, and to love, 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 no matter what. So that they can find the joy and laughter in every moment, no matter the circumstances, and that everything is going to be okay, and that whatever it is, it shall pass. And as we teach them that in one moment and they turn around and teach us that in another moment and as we have this whole circle of love and acceptance and connection and no judgment flowing between us and them and there is this tangible, undeniable, incredible joy, just maybe, hopefully, the world will take notice and they'll want to know how to do it too, to have what we have found, to be like us then we can be the teachers I believe we were meant to be and help the world come to the profound understanding that none of us needs to judge another for being different. Not for having a different ability or for being a different color or sex or sexual orientation or race or religion or income level or height or weight or whatever the perceived difference may be. That unconditional love and acceptance is the answer and hopefully someday the people who are feeling lost and who are suffering will learn how to be right alongside us. We've received the invitation to be trailblazers who can lead by example. We can be the bringers of light and the way showers. We're being invited every day to be that by the amazing teachers who are the individuals we love and care for. They started it by accepting no less from us. Jacob was not going to let me into this world until I understood who I needed to be. He was not going to change until I got it. Kicking and screaming in the back seat of a beautiful white car, he was not going to relent until I understood. I'm so glad I accepted his invitation. If you're here, and you are, you've gotten the exact same invite. Have you already accepted it? If not, will you? I hope you do. Mm-hmm. I still like that speech. It was given to a room full of people who are parents and caretakers of individuals with disabilities. Next time I'll delve into a few chapters of the book. See where I was when he was 12. That might be fun to revisit. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the At Home with Autism podcast. I'll be back next time with Jacob.